Welcome to Positive Adoption, where you can find adoption, foster care, and trauma-informed parenting all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker. But more than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos from hard places. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Positive Adoption, a coffee break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption. And for this month, again, I have Sandra Flack of the Orphans No More podcast joining me. Say hello. Hey there. Thank you for joining me again. I'm thrilled to be here again. Love our time together, just collaborating. Yes, and we always have a pre-chat before we start recording. We always have lovely (laughs) pre-chats. Okay, so for... This whole quarter, we started in January, we have been covering the book, Five Things, a Tiny Handbook for Adoptive and Foster Families and Churches Who Serve Them. And this is a free downloadable that anybody can get. You can either get on thewholehouse.org and contact me, or I've been sharing the link every week, every time I share the podcast of the download, where you can get your download. So for the month of January, we started at the beginning of the book. Now this book, Five Things, is divided into three sections. The first section is Five Things Adoptive Parents Don't Tell You. And those are five sections there. And last week, we started talking a little bit about the middle section, which is Five Things Your Adopted Children Would Like to Tell You. And we started on that topic on the podcast last week because we were talking about poor choices and behavior and how sometimes those choices and behavior are something that the child can't state verbally. And Sandra, you talked a little bit about your son being nervous about going bowling. Just do a short little recap about that. Oh, yeah. So he we signed him up for a bowling league, some uh, kids with um, various disabilities. Uh, my son has FAS, and uh, he was excited, so excited to go bowling. But that afternoon before we were, we were coming back from an errand and he had to, we had to go home and he had to get ready to go, he was just saying all kinds of crazy things and just very difficult and saying things like, I can't be grateful. And, and I... You know, it was just, he was, his behavior was ramped up his, his, you know, not acting out, but like verbally, he was stressing out about everything. And then after my husband left and took him bowling, I kind of sat down with a cup of coffee, like, huh, you know, (laughs) but I realized, wait a minute, he was going bowling, you know, joining this league for the very first time. And two of the kids that had been in his class at school were on this league. That's how we found out about it. But we had taken him out of school in October 
and shortly after is when he started the bowling league and we took him out because he was just having such a, a stress. He, he was um, just having a hard time navigating all the changes with COVID and right. he wasn't able to really learn. Um, and so this was the first time that he would have seen any of his classmates and he thought they were mad at him because he mm. stopped attending school. So I realized after he was gone and I could reflect upon it, he was nervous. He was afraid they were going to be mad at him. It was a new experience he was going to be stepping into. He was nervous and scared and couldn't really say, I'm nervous about this and I'm scared. Right. He was just feeling really big emotions that he couldn't really identify. And he was expressing emotions um, you know, in, in not the greatest way. Um, right. He was feeling those big feelings. So, yeah. So that's one really important thing that we have to remember. Even a teenager. Sometimes I talk to parents and they're like, but he's a teenager. Well, that, that doesn't matter. It's not about the physical age. It's about the emotional age. And often, you know, if there's FAS or Asperger's, or any capital letter syndrome included, ADD, ADHD, that, that behavior can be saying something that the child is unable to state verbally. And I was just really impressed that he finally got that. He was nervous. That's, yeah. that's amazing. So I'm just going to read this little overview of five things your adopted child would like to tell you. This is just a very short list that your adopted or foster child would like to tell you. In order for these kiddos to get to the point that they can verbalize feelings, we must first make sure that they feel safe. Felt safety is different than physical safety. Felt safety means the child feels safe. He isn't tormented by the past. He is no longer hypervigilant. He is relaxed. He knows how to use his voice and express his needs and wants. But until your adopted and foster child feels safe, you can be proactive and help him by keeping these five things in mind. I am in sensory overload, I'm overwhelmed, and I'm about to blow a gasket. Now last week I talked about my mom's pressure cooker and how that little metal thing on the top of the pressure cooker would be going. And that's what our kids are like. They have that little metal thing on the top going all the time. And if we pay attention, we can help them avoid too much overwhelm. We can't make them avoid it altogether, or we can lessen the severity of the meltdown. So number two is, I'm not always misbehaving to make you mad. Most of the time, it's because I do not have the skill to self-regulate, and I maintain my control by keeping you out of control. So um, we covered a little bit of that in the last episode, but we'll definitely cover more of that this month. Then number three, you are not responsible for the trauma that happened to me before I came into your family, but I will act like it if you let, if you let guilt rule the home, we will both be miserable and neither of us will experience any healing. Now, mom guilt is severe. And we will spend some time talking about that when we have that as our topic. If you feel what I am feeling all the time, this is number four, we will become codependent and I will rule your emotions like an out-of-control terrorist. Mm. 
And then the last one, number five, I do want to be loved and accepted. It is my deepest desire, just like anyone else on the planet, but I don't know how to get there. Will you help me? And I think often that particular one gets overlooked because we are so enmeshed in trying to get through the day and the behaviors and sort things out, <coughs> excuse me, that we don't think, hey, this child just wants to be loved. So Sandra, I'm gonna let you talk a little bit about the sensory overload one again, if you'd like, or I'm not that misbehaving to make you mad. Take your pick. Oh, goodness. Um, sensory, we can hit a little bit on, on both of them, I think. Right. Um, sensory overload, um, where I know even my son, I've come to recognize the, our 15-year-old especially when we do, and, and we were doing this obviously more so prior to COVID, COVID kind of, um, you know, the, the lack of large family get-togethers has sort of worked in his favor because um, we used to, prior to COVID, we would do what we called family dinner night and all of our adult kids would come over and the grandchildren would come over and I would make a big meal. And we, we used to do it every Wednesday night mm -hmm. up to COVID. Um, now we do it on occasion with the family members that we see the most because some of my sons work for my husband. So we're kind of the, the ones that we see normally all the time anyway, we continued to get together. But you know, my 15-year-old would spend most of his time in his bedroom with, with his worship music on and not want to come out. Right. And you know, I would make him come out to eat the food and then he would disappear back in his room. And I used to think, I'm not doing this kid any favors because he really should be out here interacting with us. I shouldn't let him just be in his room by himself. Like there's something wrong with that. But what I've come to understand over time is it is sensory overload for him because now we have five grandchildren, mm. seven down to one, seven years old, down to one years old. Um, you know, we're a large family. We have eight kids all together. So some of them are married or have significant others. So when we're all, you know, in the kitchen and in the dining room and in the living room and everybody's playing and children are running around and he cannot take that. Right. So he goes to his room, not to be rude or not to be antisocial, but to avoid sensory overload and to feel better and to feel calm. He needs a break from the chaos that's going right. on. And even though it's all good and fun, he can't take long periods of time with it. So he'll come out and eat and then he goes back to his room. And then later when we have dessert, I'll have him come out and have dessert and then he'll go to his room. Um, he just can't take the sensory overload. Right. And so we've learned that really he's not doing it to be rude. He's doing it because he really can't take all of the chaos. Right. And I just, you know, have a friend who contacted me over the holidays and her family's not large and they just had a very small gathering for Christmas, but her mother and father had come to her house, but her teenage daughter went to hide out in her room a few times and so my friend contacted me and said, is this wrong? Should I do something? My mom's saying that I'm spoiling her and she needs to come out here and be with everyone. And I said, no, I think that she's regulating herself. Yes. She knows exactly. that she needs to get away from people for a while. And then she would go back out when she felt calm and then go back to her room and she needed another break, which is a huge, huge skill to have. I mean... Some of us adults need that skill. We just, you know, push through. But 
You know, and I agree because I in, in the book I talk about when we took a field trip to Pittsburgh, which was a couple hours away from where we live. You know, to us, that's a large city. We went to an art museum and I, my son and daughter, who were both teenagers at the time, my two youngest, were with me. And that place was so packed with school children and teenagers and you know, it's just really busy day that day. And I kept feeling this like snort, this hearing this snort and this puff of breath on the back of my neck and go, I'm like, what is that? It sounded like a deer snorting. And I realized it was my youngest son and he was like two inches away from me the whole time. And we had just finished this whole unit on everything that we were looking at, all the Greek and Roman architecture and he could not, he didn't want to answer any questions, even though he had enjoyed that material. And I realized it was just too much for him. He did not get anything out of that field trip. And what almost did him in was when we were going back to eat our lunch in the cafeteria, instead of going through the main part of the museum, our docent took us in this underground tunnel. And yeah, that was way too much not only for him, but for me. I'm not, I'm a claustrophobic, even though it was a big, big tunnel and very well lit. I'm thinking, you know, this was just too much for him. Yeah. And he even told me on the way home, I don't want to go to that city anymore. I don't like that city. Mm. I'm like, well, you know what? It's not doing him any good educational wise. If I take him on these field trips and he's in sensory overload to the point where he is so afraid and uncomfortable, he is not learning anything. And I just want to say to parents, that's okay to say no to those things. There's nowhere written in the, bo the book of life, a handbook for life that says your child needs to do all of these field trips, all of these sports, or he needs to, he doesn't have to. You know, there are time periods in our history where some people never went more than a mile or two from their own home. Mm -hmm. And they still had an impact on the world. They still had a purpose. God still used their lives. So if you think that your child going to the bedroom to calm himself down or herself down or not going on the huge field trips that are two hours away are you know harming your child's education or spoiling them or giving them too much rain, then it's that's just not true. It's not true. And I think one of the main things I think about is, as adults, we do a lot of uncomfortable things, obviously. But when we have the choice, we are going to do what makes us feel much the most peaceful and the most comfortable. Mm -hmm. And shouldn't we do that for our children as well? especially if we're trying to teach them, okay, this is this will make you feel calmer. So any final thoughts on, on this? I mean, I threw out all those five topics and we'll talk more about them in the next episode, but any final um, thoughts? Yeah, something that did, um, that came to light recently here that I think so much applies is, um, and, I, and I probably talked about this in some of our other conversations, but our son that we, we started homeschooling him in October because uh, he really has struggled since COVID in the spring of 2020 when that when COVID kind of began affecting all of us. 
Um, you know, and, and he just, it rocked his world. He had reached a place, he's been home now 10 years from Ukraine, and he had finally reached a place where he was feeling safe and, and doing pretty well, thriving, you know, pretty well until COVID mm. and his whole world was rocked and he no longer felt safe and he began to really struggle and he did get to return to school in September, but he was just not doing well in school with the changes. Our, our district had a lot of changes in place because of COVID to keep everybody safe, but it still mm-hmm. was a constant reminder to him, you know, when you have to wear the mask the entire day in school, it was a reminder of him. I think the mask began to symbolize this bad thing that was going on in the world. So his mind, his brain was always on that and he wasn't really learning anything in school. And he's, mm. he's 15 in eighth grade. He reads at um, a second grade level. These things are very common, especially for kids with um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Right. Um, but he was doing really, really well. And then, you know, one day in the, in, in the middle of October, his teacher said to me, well, he doesn't know his consonants and vowels. And I said, well, he used to, but I also know with a brain-based disability, it's in there. They just can't always find it, right? Right. Um, but what I started to realize was his brain was not focused on learning while he was in school. His brain was focused on surviving um, this bad thing called COVID. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it sort of ruled everything. He was back in that, you know, fear mode. And when we pulled him out and started homeschooling him, some of that did improve, but we also started um, doing virtual biweekly or every other week calls with um, a counselor that he used to see, and she specializes in um, adoption. Uh, and he, he's actually doing a good job expressing himself and talking openly about how he feels and, the, you know, when he's meeting with her. And we discovered recently he was able to actually say, um, his biggest fear is that me and his dad are going to get COVID and die because in mm. his mind, anybody who gets COVID dies right. he hears, and we shelter him from the news and all of that kind of right. thing. But, you know, I think he, I had the, um, the inauguration on the, the TV one afternoon, the, the the day of the inauguration to right. kind of see what was going on in the world. And my son kind of came through the room. And, and, and at, at that point, I think, um, you know, Joe Biden said something about 400,000 Americans dying from COVID. Well, I didn't know he was going to say anything about that. And my son happened to be standing there just at that time. And he was like, what? So it, it's a reminder, yeah. right? He again, right. Like, it was a trigger. But he said, you know, he said to the counselor, I, if my parents get COVID and die, I'm screwed. And I don't know, you might have to edit right. that. No. But that's what came out of his mouth, right? But that's how he was feeling. Like, my yeah. world will be over. My life is over. He, and then he said that. My life is over if that happens. So that's his biggest fear. So he's thinking those big, huge thoughts. He yeah. couldn't sit in a classroom at a desk with a mask on, with a Chromebook in front of him because they have to use their Chromebooks for everything because we aren't allowed to touch paper anymore. Um, He couldn't, he could not do it. Mm -hmm. And so these are the things he's worried about. And even just this week, I had to run an errand. I had to go, we had a couple of birthday parties or birthday birthdays in the family for my two granddaughters. And so I said, I have to go to Target. I have to do a little shopping. Um, it'll be fun. We'll go out to lunch because I, I can't leave him at home. We're homeschooling him. So I'm like, you're going to come with me. And he was so stressed out. Like all the way there in the car, he was like 
It was like he had road rage in the passenger seat. <laughs> you, like, you're causing yourself to stress out about things that have nothing to do with anything that you need to worry about. Like it's a red light and cars do move slowly. And when the light turns green at first, like, you right. know, and then we're in target shopping around and he was okay when I let him pick out a new board game. So, cause we were really into board games right now. Um, but then when I had to look at little girl clothes or little girl toys, he was like, I can't take it. I can't do this. And then part of it could be sensory overload. Yeah. Even though it was in the, it was in the, it was in the morning during the week. It was like, it wasn't like a crazy Friday night or Saturday, but he just, he was so exhausted after 30 minutes in target. He kept saying, I need to lay down. I need to, oh my goodness. <laughs> but I'm able to recognize that he just, you know, he, he start, he, in some ways now, after all these years and a lot of hard work on our part to get him to really identify his feelings mm-hmm. and what he's talking about, but in the car on the way through target, he was like, when I said, you need to calm down. Like there's nothing we can do about the traffic or the red lights. And he was like, my head is just going crazy. And <laughs> I'm like, that is a really good observation. Yes. Slava. Why is your head going crazy? Well, you want to go to this store. And if I get COVID, like he's and now he's thinking, you oh know, like, well, we have our masks and, you know, so it, it's just COVID has just added another whole level of, you know, what we have to deal with, with our kids who have trauma histories yes, um, and who have, you know, a capital letter syndrome. Yes. It's made it really hard and they can't always identify why, but see, we see these ramped up behaviors right. and it, you know, they can't help it. They're just trying to process it and navigate it and survive it. Exactly. Exactly. So I think this, this week is a perfect week for this topic because it's not, you know, it's not over. We were promised a long time ago that it would be over and we don't really have any control, but I am so glad that he is beginning to be able to verbalize some of those things. So maybe you're listening and your child is not verbalizing anything, but you're seeing all these ramped up behaviors. So maybe you can help your child begin to verbalize or at least help them begin to stabilize. So that's all for this week. And Sandra and I will be back next week talking more about five things your adoptive or foster child would like to tell you. So thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Positive Adoption. Make sure you subscribe on thewholehouse.org to receive your gift of five things, a tiny handbook for foster and adoptive families, and receive a monthly newsletter plus updates when new books or courses are released. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, Spotify, or YouTube and leave a review so others can find positive adoption and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send an email to me at positiveadoption at gmail.com and follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Whole House and Twitter at Kath Guire. Thanks for listening to the show.